Welcome back to the Future Will Not Be podcast, a podcast about future shock. The idea that technology is accelerating so darn quickly that the human mind, our laws, and our societies are having trouble keeping up, and that is a unique problem for our generation and all future generations because you can't stop this train. I am joined, as always, by two other gentlemen who have covered media and technology for about a decade in order of the number of V-Bucks that they currently have in their Fortnite accounts. Alex Fitzpatrick. Wow, good guess. Yep. I am also joined by Evan Engel. Yeah, that wasn't a hard one. <laughs> and I am Matt Silverman. I have never played Fortnite. No. I, I appreciate it. I, I observe it. I, I, I respect the phenomenon, but I have not touched it yet. Should I? Do you like shooters? I don't dislike them, but it's not typically my jam, though I am uh, playing some other shooty type games recently, and I like killing stuff because uh, it's fun. Sure. And so maybe I would like Fortnite. As a as a free-to-play game, give it a shot. You might like okay. it. It's arcadey okay. yeah. and a little silly. Yeah, it looks silly and yeah. in, a, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fun. Today, gentlemen, we are talking about uh, something related to that, which is, well, it's twofold. Uh, I've combined two topics into tonight's discussion. One is this idea that we today are living in the safest and arguably most prosperous time in human history. By that, I mean, uh, let's say 99.9% of our ancestors throughout all of humanity, their, their number one concern at all times, at every waking moment was, where's my next meal going to come from? And am I going to die from this predator or disease that is about to kill me? And you'd live till you're about 30 and you'd be dead by one of those means. And that was the brief and, um, you know, exciting and dangerous and tragic world that we and all animals evolved in. And now, in this tiny sliver of a moment in our um, species history, this, you know, one one thousandth of a percent of time, we suddenly find ourselves with cures to diseases, uh, endless supplies of food, technology that keeps us connected and alive at all times and governments and nations and and rules and laws that protect us from each other and from uh you know wild animals uh and that is rad but i think that it also makes us crazy because our brains are not really wired to cope with the, this constant um safety and um this constant um, appeasement or this constant these constant forms of entertainment, which um, brings up the next sort of adjacent topic, which we're going to talk about today, uh, which I, an idea that I like to call the end of boredom. Um, when we were growing up in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, when the, the shows that you were watching were over and the books that you read were done, there was nothing else to do and you had to wait for the next thing to happen or you had to sit in the shopping cart while your parents did boring things like go to the grocery store and whatnot. And now we're living in a time and our kids are growing up in a time where 24-7 um, uh, content, hashtag content, 
uh, and entertainment and information is available always. Uh, it is in our pockets. It's in our hands. And as we've discussed in this show, it's about to be plopped into our brains via microchips very soon. Uh, and again, that is rad. I really enjoy it. I'm also personally a little bit worried for myself and for my kids of like, it's hard to be bored. It really is. And when I have to be, I feel very uncomfortable. Uh, I find myself searching for hashtag content uh, in my pocket and in my mind. I'm, you know, find myself drifting away because it's very hard to be in the moment. Um, and this is a somewhat trivial personal concern, but I am wondering if you guys think that this has any far-reaching effects uh, on our society, on our creativity, on our ability to uh, be productive members of society. Uh, those are the uh, those are the two angles that I'm putting forward. Let's go. Okay. Yes. Uh, boredom is, this is where I'm starting off on. Boredom is a good thing. We should be bored sometimes. Um, studies have shown that when you're bored, your brain is sort of working on problems that are uh, facing you in your, in your daily life and sort of in the background, like you're almost like a computer on sleep mode, like plugging away at something still, right? Um so, so psychologically speaking, like boredom is good for you and you should be bored. Uh, but to, you know, your point, it is really hard to be bored these days. We have so many distractions. There's so much content available at any given time. And we just reflexively, like I find myself anytime I'm in an elevator or online or I've got, you know, even just two minutes that I would otherwise not be doing anything. It's like, oh, let's see what's on Twitter or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just probably really bad for me. And I, I'm trying to break that habit. I would second that, and and I would actually take a, take the tech that this is not a trivial problem. That the implications of of the end of boredom, which is a I like that term a lot, uh, are are significant. That they have significant impacts uh, across all all facets of society. But before we get to that, I wanna I wanna talk about uh, sort of this this post scarcity idea that you're putting forward that that we are living in in the most abundant time in history, and I think there are certainly measurements by which that's true. Uh, but the question I always ask when, when I hear this is, is, is we are living in the best times for whom? And the, the second question there, uh, is it, since we know it's not, you know, it's not equally distributed, we know that for, for some people, uh, these are not the best times, that, that some people had, had parents and grandparents who were more prosperous than they are now. Uh, and and the other question is is do we think that these times will last? Uh, we've talked on this show, and and certainly we've talked about it uh, in, in our own lives uh, quite a bit about sustainability, about climate change, and about these things. And, and I think that those questions are tied very closely uh, to this idea that that now is the really good time, uh, because if it if if what we're living is is not sustainable, if our quality of life is not sustainable, then I would say this isn't necessarily the the pinnacle of human civilization. This is sort of just a vacation from uh, the the hard times to which we might one day return. Hmm. I'm going to try to break it down into its nuts and bolts, and and try to set aside my my personal anti corporatist uh, ideology. In that, you know. We're seeing savage wealth inequality, obviously, and I don't personally care for that. And we're seeing wealth 
drift further and further apart, you know, whatever the recent statistic is, 0.01% own 99% of the wealth. And so it's a problem. Cool. I guess what I'm wondering in terms of the long view, the longest view is, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has bajillions of dollars and a working class person has almost no dollars by comparison, but still has as long as you're not destitute or homeless, which is its own problem, acknowledged, you still have a television and a smartphone and, you know, probably an apartment with heat or something. And I guess I'm I'm stretching it back to the long view of like, in medieval times, the king owned everything literally. And if you were a serf, you just farmed dirt and lived in a hovel and died at 35. So I guess what I'm asking is, it's the same wealth inequality, essentially, but because of technology, we have it better as working people in the 21st century. Agree or disagree? Disagree for the most part. I'd be curious to hear what Fitz has to say as well. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll just make the point that uh, certainly, I, I mean, certainly if we're arguing things are better now than they were under serfdom, yeah, no, no contest there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the the solution to feudalism was sort of free markets, right? Free markets were, were an improvement over feudalism and, and they gave rise to, they, they brought a lot of people rights and economic dignity and, and a lot of things that did improve the world. Um, but uh, certainly they never, they never completed that mission, right? And now we're sort of seeing them arc back, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where mm-hmm. the effects of, of new, new technology are seem to be taking us uh, back the other way. Techno feudalism uh, is that a coin? Could we coin that? Okay, let's play the play the sound. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, it's 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 a bit of an exaggeration, but I I do agree of like the technologists and the you know data barons of the world now own the world in the way that kings and dukes owned the land of the world previously. I guess there's probably flaws in that analogy, but I'm with you on most of it. I'll, I'll take that one step further because even, even if let's say that, that, you know, there is, there is great wealth inequality, but even the bottom now is higher than it used to be. Uh, that's still actually a problem because with great disparities in wealth, you no, no matter where the bottom is, if the top, you know, is a certain multiple multitude higher, uh, you open the door up for problems like the kind we're seeing now, where somebody is wealthy enough to shut down uh, a website that writes disparaging things against it, right? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 and we'll see, we'll see, or, or just the the typical effects we've seen on on democracy, right? Where where people are wealthy enough that their wealth dwarfs a congressman and they have an outdue influence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so even if the bottom is high, uh, the disparity. Uh, can create a a lot of a lot of bad effects. It's about ratios and disparity, and I get that, and, and I really do agree with you. Uh, but I guess my my devil's advocate argument is that, and and I'm sorry to keep going back to like medieval feudal feudal times or whatever, but you know, a, a, a rich influential person will control the media or bend laws and legislation to get his or her way. If, a, if you say something out of turn to a king, he will chop off your head. So I guess we're still doing better 
than that. Yeah. But again, yeah, devil's I'll, advocate. No, no. I mean, I'm with you on that. Like we, we are doing better than, than feudalistic times. I, I just think that, that we, I, I'm hesitant to, to say that, that all problems are better now. Uh, I mean, we look at our industry, right? We, we all work in media and 50 years ago, our industry was in a better place than it is now. Uh, there are, there are, and that's, that's just, you know, the disruptions of technology and these sorts of things, but, but far from a single industry being disrupted, what we've seen, and and I think the reason this, this fits into this show, uh, is we've seen disruptions across all society, uh, technological disruptions that, that have reverberated across our, our democracy, across our, our industries, across our social lives and taken in some, uh, I don't know that it's necessarily so easy to say that that life is is net better than it was uh, in in you know you're right I think next to feudalism will always be positive but next to industrial life just just 50 years ago there are some weird losses and you, you look at cashiers making the same today that uh, that they were that that their parents made and it's it's a, or less. Uh, and, and right. But, but I know Fitz has a lot, has a lot of thoughts on this and I'd be, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to monopolize. I just had one more rebuttal (laughs) before I hand it over and I promise I will. Um, it, it seems to me we're choosing different, um, time spans. So are we doing better from a prosperity or wealth inequality, uh, view than we did a generation or two generations ago? No, we're not where it's getting worse. But um, if you go back a little further to um, the, you know, the Industrial Revolution, we would probably be sending our children into factories because that was the best we could do because we were like poor on the streets of London or whatever, like figuring it out. And then that was a bad time. And then we figured it out and we made laws to protect people from the injustices of the factory line. And now we still suffer a lot of those injustices, but it's not nearly as dire as it was back then. And I tend to view the tech, the um, internet revolution, the information revolution in a similar way of like, stuff's real bad right now. And it's it's getting kind of worse. But like, if our legislators kind of get their stuff together and figure it out, and P.S. like a lot of the older ones have to die and then we elect new people, <laughs> then like maybe in 20 years, like we'll actually have a handle on this stuff and it won't be so bad. Very optimistic view, maybe. So then here's the question for Fitz. And it's, and it's this, it's, it's, since we're both in agreement. That Finally. The- <laughs> <laughs> he has the most V-Bucks. Yeah. 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 The, the rich can go I was last. actually playing Fortnite waiting for you guys to finish. <laughs> he was so bored. If 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 we've seen an upward trajectory from from the days of old, as, as Matt and I think agree, and I and I and I think you'll agree to that, uh, have we seen in the last generation? Have we seen a downward trajectory uh, in in a couple indicators? And and is that what should we take from that? Is that is that the inexorable product of of the revolution that we've lived through? Is that something that that uh, on the grand scheme of things, we'll work out and we'll resume the upward trajectory that our that our grandparents inherited. Uh, where, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways we we certainly have lost some progress, but in a lot of ways we have made more progress. Um, you know, you look at 
the computer revolution and the sort of jobs that it's uh, empowering. And then you look at uh, where, you know, the progress that we've made on uh, all sorts of minority rights, and there's still so far to go there. And it's not purely an economic issue, but it is to some extent in the, in the sense of like who can work where and do what jobs and have access to what sort of, you know, opportunities and so on and so forth. Um, so I think that that's a reason to be optimistic. Um, where I'm, what I'm not totally clear on is like how exactly we got to this question uh, when we're talking about like, boredom and, and what that does to us and that kind of thing like i think we might have lost the thread just a little bit yeah it's it's adjacent less less about boredom but more about this idea of defining defining prosperity so that we can analyze does like does endless prosperity and um no scarcity equal happiness or does it actually make us crazy yeah. because we are not wired like it's a good thing but our brains are not meant to process at all it's like you know um we love sugar because uh -huh. on yeah. the savannah if you found a, a beehive with honey in it you better eat that thing right away because it has all the calories you need to get you through whatever um uh, slim times are ahead. So your body, you're wired to just eat that. And now when you can get, um, you know, uh, Laffy Taffy all the time, you, your body wants to eat it and your brain wants to eat it, but too much is makes you, makes you unhealthy. And I think that's what's happening with information and entertainment. So uh, I think to some extent it's about personal expectation or personal norms. And what I mean by that is like, as an example, take a look at the rate of lottery winners who have a real tough time handling that sudden mm. prosperity and sudden wealth. Um, you know, there's a, there's a high rate of depression, a high rate of suicide, so on and so forth amongst that group of people uh, because they, they go through this thing. Probably, I, I don't know if this is entirely the reason, but I, I assume because they're used to having to work a certain amount for their their wealth and their food and their and their well-being and so on and so forth. And suddenly it's delivered to them on a silver platter. And so you lose that sense of like, well, I have to provide for myself and my family. Uh, so what do I do now? And it sort of opens up this weird existential crisis that you might not expect. Uh, and I think that is fuel for the argument that like, yes, infinite prosperity can be damaging. But I do think we also see on the flip side of that, we see people who are born into great wealth and have no real struggle handling that psychologically because it's what they grew up with and what they expect. Hmm. So I think it's if it's, you know, with you from birth or whatever, you seem to be people seem to be more likely or more able to handle that idea of, you know, anything I want, I can have. Whereas if, if you're not born with that, it, it maybe is a tougher thing to, to come to terms with within the span of a single lifetime. Mm -hmm. I, and I find that really fascinating. And I think at this juncture, we should delineate between prosperity, which we've been kind of defining here in a historical context, and I information, or I guess, I guess it's the, the boredom thing. Um, yeah, they're so they're close, I, but they're not the same thing. Can, can I take a stab at it? Please do. I, I I think what we're getting at is that if somebody if if we brought a time traveler from the past and they said is life better in the future, we would say yeah, and we would show them our phone. And I think in that interaction is is sort of the crux of this problem that industrialization has has sort of given us 
phones and, and mobile mobile information are probably like the end product of of a certain phase of human development right that that all information in humanity is is available to us and it, and it is sort of the the perfect the the it, it's the perfect completion of of maybe the first phase of capitalism um but with that has come all all the illnesses and sicknesses that we've that we've cataloged before on on this show um but i think today we want to is today what we're trying to look at is is just that attention uh the the what it does to our to our attentions to 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 lose that innate ability to be bored what what was a normal part of every day of our lives until we were what like 14 or or mm-hmm. 20 or something like Mm-hmm. Boredom, I think, is a nice way to to talk about this problem. Yeah, and, and before we dive, I, I think knowing the three of us, I think the boredom can of worms is going to be nice and deep, yeah. and I'm excited about that. Um, I guess before we leave the scarcity prosperity thing, because it's complicated, and we're we're talking about history, but I, I want to get back to this evolutionary thing of like we are wired to really kind of desperately scramble at all times to find berries. And if you're really lucky, you know, hunt an animal down and have a nice meal. Like that is what we are, that is all we are wired to really do um, in our primal um, mentality in our primal mode. And now, you know, we sort of can still do that if you're like going and working on a construction job and you're like hammering nails and you're putting stuff together and you're get, gathering resources and, you know, making a thing and, you know, conquering that thing. I, I think that is um, – there is something analogous there. But now we just kind of go and sit at a desk and tap on a on a little piece of plastic for eight hours a day and – for some people, that's very rewarding if you're doing something that you really are engaged in. But I think a lot, 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 lot of people really don't care for their jobs. They're very um, unfulfilled by their jobs. And also there's no like challenge or physical activity or excitement that goes into that work. So they come home and then feel bad about that and then kind of self-medicate with an endless stream of – um of, of entertainment and content. And I'm not saying oh, other people do that. Like I do that all the darn time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I am suffering because of it, even though I also kind of love it. And, and that is the sort of, it's not about scarcity. Cause like the richest person and the workaday person, um, both have access to like pretty good nutritious food if you want it more or less, but it's more about this sort of mental fitness and mental exercise that some people might get and other people and a lot of people probably don't. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think it's about the the physical element of it too. Like you talked about the sort of just staying kind of physically idle at work all day. And like, you know, I think maybe we overthink how big of a thing that is just because it's what we kind of do all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is a great many people and there is something to be said for this idea that like you need to, we're, we're, our bodies are wired to do physical stuff. And 
you know, thank God we don't have to do physical stuff all day, every day anymore, right? It's nice that we don't have to hunt down all of our meals. But at the same time, like, we do need to do some of that to, to, for just psychological upkeep, right? It's like, that's why people go to the gym. That's why people take sports. Uh, yeah, take sports. That's that's a thing. <laughs> said, I took sports the, in high school. Said the athlete on the podcast. Um, you know, why people engage in sports or whatever, right? It's like to, to sort of make up for what's missing in the day-to-day as far as physical activity is concerned. And, and I have read and observed and and often think about um, I'm not I, I, I'm not the first person to observe this, but I like the observation of like we're seeing an explosion in the video game industry, specifically in this sort of like open world, explore, build your build your home and build your base. And, and, and I love these kinds of games. Minecraft was among the first. And a lot of people have drawn the analogy of like kids don't really play outside as much as they used to. We do not engage in this sort of exploratory. There's not really a lot of the world to explore in some interesting ways. Um, and so we virtualize it because we we desperately crave that excitement and that thrill and that danger because there is no danger. There is no danger in our day-to-day lives. And that's great I guess what I'm getting at is like, I think if you want to wake up and feel alive and then by proxy feel that adrenaline rush that actually makes you happy or makes you excited or kind of like, you know, it gets your your body uh, back up and running, uh, you have to kind of um, feel afraid sometimes. I mean, imagine you're just walking down, you know, you're walking through the city and all of a sudden like a car stops short and you get that burst of adrenaline. It's very scary. But it's fine. But then you kind of move through the rest of your day and you're like, whoa, I am amped up. I am feeling a feeling that I do not normally feel in my normal day-to-day existence. And suddenly I'm, uh, I'm grooving. And, and, and we don't really – I think our ancestors felt that all the darn time and we never feel it. And it's, it's, it has changed the way we live. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean I would add to that that – we grew up probably, I think, with woods. You probably, you guys probably grew up with woods near the house. Some, some, mm-hmm. some little grove of trees where you could go, go, you know, hide in the bushes and and throw rocks at your friends. And and those those woods are still there. Uh, mm. I don't, I don't, I don't know if kids are still playing in them. I hope they are. There's there's fewer animals in them now. There's probably about a, a, a <laughs> no. I mean, that's true. That, that there's probably about a, yeah, yeah. a third fewer animals now than there were when, yeah. when we grew up. But there, but the woods are still there. I guess, I guess. To not only say like, oh, the kids these days never go outside, but what are the effects when when you're playing outside, when you're playing in the woods or or just when you're doing anything, forget the woods, even even when you're doing anything without a screen or a book, uh, it is up to you to make your own fun. Uh, that that has to be done collaboratively with with other with other kids. You have to make up a game together, or or play play soccer together, or, or do something together. But but you have to. There's there's an interaction, there's a negotiation, a, a bartering over over you know who who goes first and these sorts of things. There's 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 you you are building social structures by playing games together, um, and so to to get rid of that and to have all. Uh, to have everything, all your entertainment come produced from some other outside source, from an industrial source, really, an industrial process, a Netflix or, a, or an EA Games or, or any of these guys, uh, it, it does change the kinds of social structures that we will build 
I, I have to think it'll do that. Mm-hmm. Two thoughts from that thread, because it's very important. Maybe three. One is that um, on another show that I'm producing, um, oh, a gentleman, a very fancy. well, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Fancy <laughs> guy, sorry. Just dropping that in there. <laughs> we, thought, we thought we were your only family, yeah. Matt. I'm not, pl- I'm not plugging the show. Well, on I'm my, just on my referencing a conversation. <laughs> on my far better show. <laughs> with smarter the, co-hosts. With experts. There was a, we had a gentleman who was a guest who is very well respected in the world of um, fam- uh, family, uh, kids, and, and online participation of kids. And he cited a study. Dr. Phil. Um, and I, yeah, it was Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I know Dr. Paul. He cited a study, which I assume is accurate, where he basically said, like, if you look at uh, the radius from home where kids play, like if you put put a pinpoint in your house and then there was a radius of miles around your house in the 50s, kids would play, you know, 10 miles away. And in the in the 80s, they'd play 30, you know, yeah. uh, five miles away. Yeah. And now they just play in the backyard and and whatever. I'm exaggerating, but. His point, assuming it's accurate, is obviously what we are just what Evan just described and what we all observe is that kids are not they're not roaming free as much as they were. And he was attributing and I guess the studies are attributing it to like the fact that like the media is insane. And so we've now gone through a generation of cable news and sort of nightly news where every night was like a murder and a fire and, you know, children being abducted and and worse and those are statistically insignificant things. They don't happen to most people. They don't even happen to a statistically significant number of people. But the only media we consume as families and as parents were, is danger. Yeah. So now we are raising our own kids and we've come into this world where everything's dangerous. When in fact, it's the safest world we've ever been in. So there's a media component there. Now – Second point, and I'm sorry that I'm hogging the podcast, but I the, you really you really set me up for um, some things that I want to talk about here. Second point, uh, I'm a dad, and I see through the media BS. I know the world is a very safe place. My kids are still young, so they're not at an age where we feel it's appropriate to be like, go play down the block. Sure. Like we don't do that because they're little. But I personally have these visceral fears of like my like I walk my kids to school and they will just like be fun and run down the block yeah. and I have this fear not of like scary people or dangerous you know dangerous neighborhoods I worry about just a car backing out of the driveway yeah. and so I become this helicopter parent of like stop 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 come back be next to me hold my hand and I become a crazy person because I have these irrational fears of like, well, there is a 0.001% chance that something really terrible might happen. And I kind of freak out every day about it. And so is that society? Is that just me being a, a, a basket case? I don't know. And third, I take your point about mitigated um, environments where – you know, maybe Fortnite, we were joking, is an example of like kids are making their own fun in Fortnite, but it is, um, uh, there is, it is mitigated by this company that makes the game. And to an extent, a, a Minecraft is the same, but there are games that are phenomenons that, um, kids love, like Minecraft, where there really are no rules. I mean, there are basic structures, but in, the, it's funny when you say go play in the woods and the woods have sort of, 
structures, trees, rocks, grass, like those are the rules of nature and go make your own fun. Minecraft is the same way. There's no objective. You have trees, rocks, grass, and just do whatever you want. There's no objective in this in the way that there is an objective in Fortnite that a game manufacturer is telling you to do. Minecraft famously does not have that. And, and Minecraft has become the poster child for, hey, kids don't play outside, but they're still playing the same way. They're just doing it in virtual spaces. So anyway, three points, take what you will. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know that it's objectively better to play in the woods or to play in Minecraft. Uh, physical activity aside, it's good to exercise. We know this, but that aside, um, I can make my own fun in a, in a video game world in the same way I can. And I can do it collaboratively with, um, with, feel like uh, with from my a- friends. Yeah, from my only concern, you know, putting aside the physical stuff, which I think is super important, we shouldn't just Mm -hmm. disregard. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, putting that aside for a second, my my concern, uh, you know, I'm not a parent yet. I'm closing it on that point. But uh, so these are (laughs) things that I'm thinking about. Right. Um, But my concern with like letting all that sort of social interaction happen just on video games is that like it's there's a difference between interacting with other people uh, in a video game or, or online and you know irl as the kids yes. say right and so i but i, I and, and that's not like the the irl interaction with people as you get older is not a thing that's going to go away and so i worry about like if kids spend all their time you know developing their social skills in a video game what happens when they have to interact with people in real life where right. you know there are certain body language cues and things that you have to pick up on uh as a person to to sort of get by in society um, that that they might not be able to pick up on right away or whatever. And speaking of evolution, just briefly, like that's it. Like we are, are again, our brains are wired to respond to faces, and when we don't get a lot of that feedback, I think studies have shown that we get uh, we get sad when we don't yeah. get that um, that interaction. I mean, so medium to long view, uh, I obviously agree, and I think that is the big problem, which gets to the gets to the core of what this episode is about, of why are we so scared and sad and anxious? And a lot of that is because we're not interacting with each other. Super long view, as we've talked about, it doesn't truly matter if we all go virtual uh, in a thousand years. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think it's just the habit of virtual. It's space. the awkwardness of the transition period, right? Yes, Which is basically exactly. what this podcast is all about, right? It's the transitory well, period. Y- yes, except yes, that's what this podcast is about. But no, it still matters if we all go virtual. The values of an okay. all virtual world uh, are going to be different than the values of the world that we that we grew up in, and, and even the mm-hmm. one that we inhabit now. Even though it's true, we are we are making that transition. I I like God. I'm just I'm just glad I have all these V bucks to spend in that virtual world. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, be rolling now. What I don't rolling. I don't I don't want to know what V bucks are. Um, <laughs> so I like I I like the point that uh, that you make about about uh, Minecraft because you're right. We we shouldn't discount the idea that that whatever environment you put humans in, they will hack it. If if you drop them in the middle of mm-hmm. the woods, they will come up with a game that involves types of trees if you drop them in minecraft they will come up with a game that that involves i, I don't know but they'll there there is a human there's a human ingenuity and a human creativity that wants to tear down and and play with whatever environment it's dropped in so so no putting minecraft you know no i i don't doubt that people play in minecraft in in a lot of the same ways that, that we used to play in the woods 
but it is still a, a winnowing down of your options in a way. And and I know I know you'll say that well no you can you can't build a, a giant spaceship in the woods if you want to you you know whereas yeah. in my <laughs> it's just I was going to say you can't build a one to one scale model of the Starship Enterprise with working computer no. systems no. in the woods. Y'all never saw my backyard clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no no you can't. Uh, but, but there is, uh, but, but similarly, you can't have privacy in Minecraft. You, Mm -hmm. you can't have, uh, uh, true autonomy in Minecraft. Uh, you, you can't, you know, I mean, we, you, you have children and, and I don't think you'll ever, you know, well, well, you've probably have, have had conversations with your partner about, about to what degree you're going to monitor their, their social media and their activities. And, and that, that's, mm-hmm. that's a debate, but certainly there are parents out there who don't have that debate, who just monitor everything. Right. So, right. so as a child playing a game in a virtual environment, that's, that's another sort of privacy that you won't have. You won't, you, you won't have the, the ability to develop, uh, you know, your own sorts of independent, your own sorts of relationships independent from your, your parents. Uh, uh, so you said you, you, you meant privacy from your parents. Well, I thought you implied privacy from the corporation that owns the well, game was, and maybe it's both, yeah. but the parent angle is that's, I didn't even think of that. And I think that's a great. Point. I, I thank you. I, I actually meant the first, the, the corporate privacy first, but, but it is true. Like, like there is, there mm-hmm. is a whole, so, so, you know, if we do, and, and the other thing is that, is that, you know, playing outside, playing, playing without uh, a, a sort of industrial process, without a technology, playing, playing an un, in an unmediated way. Uh, you know, it, it reinforces values, I think, about, about or, or at least it shows you a world where you don't need a technology uh, to participate in it. And, you know, we, are, we, have, we have come very far from that idea, uh, but it's still an important ideal because it, it, it's still a democratic ideal. Right. If we if we say a citizen is somebody you you have to have a smartphone to participate in society or you have to have a mm-hmm. credit card to participate mm-hmm. in society or any of these things, which which by and large, we, we've sort of said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it it limits the scope of of who can can participate in civic society. And that's a that's a dangerous thing. So so if we get to a virtual world, uh, then, then sure. Like then the only, and, and maybe we're already there in some ways, but the only people who can participate it are people who can manipulate that these, these media. Uh, and, and certainly a lot of the values that have, that have gotten us this far, uh, don't like, like privacy, uh, don't exist anymore. It, it's a can of worms to, um, and I love it. This idea of you need this piece of technology to participate in society. And we've crossed that threshold uh, maybe a couple times the car is an example of that of like and so i I, this whole show is about the 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 inescapable acceleration of like unless you just say i'm out and i'm going in the woods and i'm disconnecting from all things which is your right and you should be allowed that right um short of that which is not most people you need certain things to participate, and and I understand the problems with that. That you you just illustrated them very uh, succinctly, but there's no solution to that issue. So the point at which I think we make it f- fair is a bad word. We just have to make the technology as cheap as darn possible, so that as many people slash everyone can participate. And I feel like we're getting close. We're we're kind of did that with the car the smartphones are pretty cheap 
you know, it's not a perfect thing, but I think it, I think that has to be the case. Well, I don't, I don't see any other path forward well, is what I'm saying. We're no, certainly we're, we are born, uh, without any technology at this point, right? We are born as, as, as meat and bones and, uh, and we can still create a society that, services people for whom that's still the case you know we we can use what why why do we have to take the put the onus on on individuals to adopt this technology why can't we have you know whatever institution you want be it government or a corporation uh utilize this technology to better serve people who opt not to to use it uh i think it's unstoppable it's an unstoppable force and there's no incentive for any company or government to facilitate the like seven people who are like, nope, I don't want cars or phones or credit cards. Deal with me. Well, ideally... I mean, Amish country exists, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, okay. a government shouldn't need an incentive, right? Like like, like mm-hmm. the ideal the ideal government, or at least the one, the, the, gov- the ideals when we were growing up, it w- was a, a government that, uh, that serviced people... Uh, that served people rather uh, because that was its job. Right. So if, so if somebody, so, so 50 years ago, you know, cars were taken off and everybody was getting a car and, and old man, old man McDonald lived out on the Hill and he didn't, he didn't have a car. And, and one way that technology could, could play a role there instead of him having to adopt a car. Now the city can buy a car and they can drive out there with a, with a ballot for him and he can vote there in his home. Uh, you know that's uh, or 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 if we ever get to internet voting, I mean that that's well, I guess that's a way. There, there's ways to utilize technology to better serve people rather than make people serve technology or adopt technology. Yeah, but I think those are very rare cases. I, I would love to open up the Amish uh, yeah. situation because that that is the answer. That I think I was looking for, but I guess I view the Amish as an as a closed system yeah. that does not participate in the rest of society, which is cool and great and good on them. But it's not you can't you can't want the benefits of the rest of society, but also say nope, don't have a car, don't have a cell phone. You know, you can't. I guess you can't have it both ways. Is what I I'm guess, saying. But, right, I guess. Are you saying that the Amish, but the Amish don't ask for those benefits? Is that they don't ask yeah. it? They don't want them, and yeah. which is awesome. Great. Yeah. Good. Good on you. Yeah. They do pay taxes. That's a that's a, mm. a tough one for them. Yeah. I mean, I guess they are subject to laws yeah. and perhaps use roads and such. Yeah. Which fine. Pay pay taxes. Great. As documented in the Harrison Ford classic, The Witness. Or, or the Tim <laughs> Allen classic for richer or poorer. Wow. That oh, one I've missed. Tim <laughs> Allen and Kirstie Alley are Manhattan power are, are, Sold. Are Sold Manhattan in the room. That's all I needed. couple who have to move, have to pretend to be Amish for some reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. Uh, I was up at Aaron's for, pre, for like the weekend before Christmas and like we were trying to find something to put on Netflix. And uh, there's a movie now that's Kurt Russell as Santa Claus, and that's all that I needed. <laughs> like it's, it was not a very good movie, but like Kurt Russell as Santa is like enough to get me to play <laughs> on any day of the week. And honestly, he was great in that role. Was this mm-hmm. Escape from the North Pole? That is just, <laughs> I wish, right? You beat me to the joke. Ah, sorry. 
<laughs> we, we've gone perhaps far afield. Where can we bring it back? This is a this is a weird, broad, yeah, stringy topic. Um, I think I want to go back into like um, this idea a little less philosophical in a, in a broad sense, and a little more just like what happens to us on a day to day basis when we no longer allow ourselves to be bored. Mm. Uh, which I think is something that's happened. Like we see boredom as almost like the ultimate ultimately undesirable state of right. being now and nobody's comfortable just being bored and, and and not doing anything anymore and like i don't know i used to when i was a kid like i and sure like when you're a kid you have no nothing to worry about in the world right except like one's dinner um <laughs> and we're all my friends but like you know i used to just like hang out in the backyard and not even like playing just like sit in the grass and like watch the clouds go by and that mm -hmm. kind of thing right and i still love doing that but it's just like hard to find the time to to do that now because there's so many adult things to do um but i do think that there's something just on a, on a sort of individual level there's something psychologically beneficial about just not doing anything yeah no while. doubt but, but you you just hit it on the head and this is this is my personal challenge and perhaps it applies to others it, it must um, when you become adult, an adult, you have a lot more worries and stress, tons of stress, and from all corners, your own family, your kids, your work, everything. And so, if you, if someone's like, just says, "Hey, take a break, sit in the grass, and watch the clouds," I would love to do that. But when I do that, all I do is sit there and become anxious about all the things that I'm not doing or all the work I have to accomplish or all the things I got to deal with when I get home or whatever. And being alone with my thoughts is very um, – causes me a lot of anxiety. So I would rather put on a podcast and think about that stuff instead of what yeah. I actually – you know. And, 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 and there's no – there's no value in me sitting down and thinking about all the stress I have to do because like that's going to happen anyway. So me just sitting around being anxious about it doesn't even do me any good. It just makes me upset. So I would rather self-medicate with media so that I can put it out of my mind for the half hour train ride and then deal with it again when I have to um, you know, get back to my desk or my, my home. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. And that's to, like, I, I completely understand that as like a personal preference. I think that like, I like to, I'm also a person who struggles with anxiety, like, all, you know, all the time. Um, I think though, that like spending some time, sometimes you want to escape into some media and some content. And I totally understand that, put on a podcast or some music or whatever. But like, I don't even mean just like, you know, you don't have to like roll around in the grass and, and watch the clouds. <laughs> like eat. sometimes it's just nice to like every once in a while, instead of putting on a TV show or, read, or reading a book or anything, look scrolling through Instagram. Like I'll just put on a good one, like a favorite album and just sit there on the couch and think about the things that are bothering me or the things that are going on in life. Um, and I find personally, this is just me speaking that like, you know, that helps me process those things. Um, and deal with them psychologically and, and find solutions or, or, you know, things that could be solutions and, and that sort yep. of thing. Um, and it's like sort of, it's not, I don't think it would be like capital M meditation, but that's kind of what it feels yes. like. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not like a Zen meditation thing, but it's like, you know, spend time on just spending some mental energy on like decompressing a little bit and that sort of thing. Um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately just because like we, so we moved to Jersey about two months ago, give or take. And for the first month and a half, we didn't have a living room couch. Um, our old couch, we hated and we decided to get rid of it when we moved. 
instead of paying for the movers to take that with them. Um, and the new couch, like it was just, we special ordered something nice and it was delayed and all that good stuff. Um, but it finally came, uh, last week. Um, and I just like spent a lot of time this weekend. Thankfully I had like nothing to do this weekend. Um, but I just spent a lot of time just sitting on the couch doing nothing. And it was awesome. And I wouldn't want to do that for, for every weekend because that just gets depressing. Right. But like just the ability to like sit on the couch and hang out and do bub kiss (laughs) was like really mentally great. I know that's the answer. I really struggle to, um, bring myself to do that but perhaps what you've just uh, laid out is balance you just said if i did bub kiss on the couch every weekend i'd feel like a loser and i would be depressed mm-hmm. but if i fill my mind and moments with everything all the time and and always be doing something then i also feel very anxious and and high strung and probably depressed by by correlation um so there's something about our humanity that craves this ebb and flow uh, of um, stimulation, I guess, for lack of a better word. I uh, I often think about my creativity as like, I need to watch a bunch of movies and play a bunch of games in order to refill the reservoir. Then I got to make stuff for a long time until I'm tapped out. And then I got to stop making stuff and um, take it in again. And it's this breathing in and out of um, media and information, um, that tends to keep me in balance. And if I don't, I, I, I get really, uh, high strung. I've never heard any creative people speak about creativity that way. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. This idea that like you're taking in stuff for a while, digesting it, and then maybe it's influencing your output or like whether it's conscious or subconsciously, like you sort of have to spend some time in the content pool to like get refreshed, mentally for your it's really interesting yeah, to, to think about that way that model which is really the way my my personal mind works is incompatible with nine to five jobs you know what i mean oh, of like yeah. hey yes. i need to take three days to uh binge watch movies so i can get my my mojo back <laughs> that's not gonna happen in most jobs is that okay yeah, boss? exactly yeah um so so <laughs> that is a it is a struggle for me to be creative especially when i have to work on things that are not that interesting uh, it's like, oh my gosh, I gotta like plow through this because the reservoirs are are empty right now, and it's that's my personal challenge. And I think it's it's it it feels very analogous to what you just said, Alex, about doing nothing but then doing something and then back and forth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just I just need some rest time. That's like not sleep, mm-hmm. but not you know what I mean. Just like kind of idleness yeah. is is something that I personally need in life. And it's going to be, I'm telling you, like, that's, that's one thing that certainly as I, like I, you know, mentioned it earlier, but like, as we approach parenthood, that's something that, um, you know, my wife and I have talked about and like, and something that's on my mind a lot is like, you know, my need for idleness is like pretty much incompatible with, especially the early parts of, you know, having a kid. Um, and so that's something that I'm got to figure out some solution for at some point. Robots. Robots. Yeah. Parent robots. That's, that's might be a future episode. That's, that's, that's what we need. Um, just on the parenting thing, again, my personal struggle is like, I've, it's hard for me to be bored and I love my kids and I love spending time with them. But when your kids are little, they really are super boring. So it's like, you don't want to be on your phone and you don't want to be thinking about other things because you want to be present with your kids, but like your kids are super boring. So it's, it's hard to just sit down and play like 
blocks with your kid because like your mind is good my mind is going a million miles a minute about all the other things i need to do and i struggle to be present in situations like that dude i love blocks <laughs> you think you love blocks it depends on the blocks yeah, yeah. no i think i'm really i, I think i'm pretty excited to play yeah. blocks and stuff it, like I, and I, I'm it gets legos are fun because they're like you're building yeah. material right, 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 right. Yeah. it's funny that the Matt's like fear is playing blocks. His favorite game is Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> oh, blocks it's again. It's about the degrees. Yeah. Imagine playing Minecraft, but you only get one block to place over and over and over in the same place. That's what raising a two. That's what having a two-year-old sounds like. Your personal like Dante. Yes, and, it is. Like it hell, is. right? It is. And it gets better, and it's it's awesome. It's all really awesome, but it's these little things that are that you get stuck on and and for me it is there's a boredom factor in this equation that it, that I I do struggle with sure totally get it so given given that that we do have this need to to uh part from constant stimuli uh but but also given that it's that it's been illustrated that this is very difficult for people to do and certainly difficult to do at scale I mean, we, we've seen that, you know, a lot of corporations now have their employees meditate or, or teach their employees some sort of mindfulness. So, so maybe this is changing, but do, do we see this changing? Do we see any sort of, I, I guess we saw Instagram last year, put in a, a thing that notifies you when you've spent an hour a day on, on Instagram or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, do we see widespread changes coming that, that sort of facilitate boredom? I don't know, man. I think the tech companies are like paying lip service to that sort of idea. Like Apple's got screen time and Android's got, you know, whatever its version is called. Um, it shows you like how much time you're spending in apps and that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't see that as like real serious efforts, right? It's got to be like, we can't rely on tech to like wean us off tech, right? That's just not 100%. how it works. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be our own uh, sort of concerted effort. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that and I think that like you've seen, you see like personal essays about this once in a while, but it doesn't feel like there's like any sort of mass movement in that direction, yeah. right? As long as advertising is the business model for all apps and content, yeah. most apps and content, then there, then that is incompatible with a mindfulness uh, mentality because the goal of an app is to keep you on the app as much as possible to serve you as much advertising. Yeah. Now, if I if I paid six bucks a month for Facebook and Facebook's like, "Yep, got your money. We don't care if you log on once or a thousand times. We're all good here." That would be a um, more. Uh, a less abusive business model for a service like that. You can just sneak in the advertising into the uh, meditation app where right. it's like, you know, <laughs> McDonald's. Yesterday.